Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, beautiful humans, and welcome to episode 48 of Conversation. Quite a long episode coming for you this week. Yes, it's Wednesday. Whoopsie doodles. I do go into that in the episode though. The whole episode and theme and reason for delay is sort of entangled this week. So there's not really much for me to say here apart from thank you so much for everyone that's contacted me with feedback. I fucking appreciate every single one of you. I know Crovisation's been um, on hiatus for a little while, so it's really wonderful to reconnect with y'all about it. If you want to send me feedback, you can do so on any of my social media. Also, my website. You can find all of these things at Cats and Crows. That is K A T S. A-N-D-C-R-O-W-S. Ah, okay, beautiful humans. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm speaking at length about my current journey, or the beginning of my current journey of my chronic illness diagnosis, um, and how that really intertwines in my life, and has certainly done so in the last week. <laughs> but um, if you've been wondering where I was, that's that's your answer. Poorly. But I'll let the episode speak for itself. So, friends, please enjoy my chronic illness monologue on episode 48 of Crevisation. Hi, beautiful humans. Welcome back to Conversation. It is, in fact, Wednesday today? Certainly not a Sunday, is it, everybody? <laughs> well, I did set Monday as the new day for Conversation to be released, but... Once again, here we are on the day that is not the day that is the nominated day. And that's okay. I'm sure it's slightly annoying for some of you, so I do partly apologize for my inconsistency. But also, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, then that's the one for you. Because frankly, existing as an ADHD person in a neurotypical world is incredibly hard sometimes, friends. Oh my goodness. My concept of time, not real. Doesn't exist. Who knew? Everyone. Everyone knew. So I thought I'd carry that sort of theme on in this episode with a topic that's been really quite close to my heart for this past year. Wow, actually, definitely longer than the past year. Past two years or so, since the middle of 
2020, really, this journey has been going for me. And that journey is me living in a disabled body. Sounds strange even coming out of my mouth right now. <laughs> a lot of that is definitely imposter syndrome though. In a world that is really, really, really unfriendly to people who are living in disabled bodies, then of course you're not gonna want to identify with such a label. Absolutely not. It's a, it's a bit of a catch-22. Either way, I thought I'd share the beginning of my journey with you because this is a, a lifelong, a lifelong endeavor now. And you know what? Some of the conditions I have been with me since I was born or at least since I was a couple of weeks old. Yes, I will get into the tale later on, but it's a whole thing, y'all. It's a whole thing. And I'm sure my opinion on it will change through my life too. That's one of the beautiful things about being humans. We get to change our minds. Ah, magic, isn't it? <laughs> and um, yeah, potentially new science will come out on these sorts of things, medical science. It is very interesting. Everything that I get to learn about my body and um, the things that it's not functioning in the typical way. Extremely interesting, but yeah, somewhat fatiguing. And with all of the knowledge there is to be learned about living as a disabled person and existing in a world that is frankly not designed in any way for disabled people, it's a, it's a whole thing. So, some of the symptoms and titles of conditions that I personally have experienced with. So, I am currently in the process of confirming a suspected case of fibromyalgia and also something called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. This has recently been recategorized as well. There are different degrees of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. So when I talk about it, I personally have suspected hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. So, that's two quite long words. <laughs> I have a, let's start with those, shall we? Let me just explain those to you for a moment. Fibromyalgia, fibro. I'm sure you've heard a lot of people talk about this. It's become much more well known since long COVID. Yeah, that motherfucker of a thing. <laughs> it is a condition which is categorized by chronic pain and chronic fatigue. They don't always know or can't always see what has caused or triggered fibromyalgia to begin to wreak havoc on your body. There's lots of different symptoms which people would consider the beginning of their symptoms. Um, and as a neurological disorder, it can also have psychiatric conditions and psychiatric symptoms too. So, <laughs> yeah, 
as if you thought I was going to clear it up in that very moment. I've just confused you even more. <laughs> but basically, what you need to know about fibro is that it affects the entire body. It affects your mind. It affects your nerves, which is therefore everywhere. <laughs> and somehow through this, it creates, uh, as if right on cue, uh, an overwhelming sense of fatigue. Now, I experience this fatigue similarly to what I experience sometimes when I'm having a mental health sort of flare up. The floor is just absolutely magnetic. My arms and my legs are filled with lead weights. I just can't move off the ground. I am foggy and hazy in the mind, brain fog. That's quite a well-noted symptom of fibro. And yeah, general muscle weakness with no other reason. Some days I can do aerial. I can contort my body into the craziest shapes. I can pull myself up. I can twist myself around. I can drop and catch myself. And then some days, if I move my neck too quickly, I <laughs> will start crying from how much it hurts. Now I know, I know a lot of you can relate to that sentence because frankly, our bodies are not well cared for in this capitalist world. Everyone has some degree of chronic neglect on their body, which will present very similarly to people who are experiencing conditions which disable them. The difference is the way you can exist within the world with those symptoms. Yeah. So, fibromyalgia, whilst uh, everyone may have heard of it, if you try to call into work with a fibromyalgia flare-up, some employers will simply tell you to just come to work. If you're not contagious, you can come to work. It's not about you, it's about the business. And if you can't come in, then you will be punished for it because you're not contagious. And if you can't damage the rest of our workforce, then, you know, you're just a cog in the machine of capitalism. <laughs> savage, isn't it? So savage. But that's the reality. Fortunately, I am self-employed, so I don't have to hear those words, but I believe perhaps my self-employed path in life is now largely due to me having to avoid regular employment because of all sorts of things. A, come on, I'm a bit of an anarchist. And two, if I need to take a week off sick in a row, then I have to, otherwise the damage done to my body can become irreversible. And frankly, I could be a liability <laughs> to other people. I don't want to be walking around and suddenly find myself unable to care for myself and have to take a chunk out of someone else's day because the government sure ain't gonna help. <laughs> That's another big part of chronic illness that I'll touch on later. The guilt the shame from feeling like you're asking too much or that people will think you're just being lazy or just being a chancer. <laughs> Hell, nothing hurts more than that last one. I'm sure, like me, you've been gaslighting yourself your whole life into thinking you're lazy. Mm-mm, mm-mm. That is a big trap that a neuro spicy people often fall into. Oh yes. Oh gosh. I do apologize for my yawning, friends. It's actually 8.05 in the morning on 
Wednesday the 5th. So I've decided to try out recording my podcast episodes in the daytime. Not in the nighttime like I usually would. But in the daytime. So that um, we can get this show on a more substantial road. You know what I mean. I'm going to start getting guests in. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. But uh, yeah, for this episode... <laughs> Excuse the mighty yours. Oh, goodness. So back to the other train of thought that I was on before that big yawn came along. Explaining some symptoms that I experience. So that was fibromyalgia. There are so many other symptoms that does not in any way sum up my entire experience I'm learning new ones every day every time I get a new pain (laughs) I I, I add a new one to the list sometimes uh, it feels like my skin is on fire but there's no physical sign there it's just hot to the touch in to me and um, it feels like a scald yeah that's one of my newest fibro symptoms it's, there's nothing you can do, but any clothes that rub against it, any person that touches it is like they're touching where your skin's been flayed away and only your fat remains. Except there's nothing there. There's nothing there. So that's even more of a mind fuck, isn't it? Mm. So <laughs> the other condition I mentioned, Ethlis Dallas syndrome. Um. Like I said, this has been recently recategorized. They really, really do not understand much about EDS whatsoever. Again, lots of people have been diagnosed post-COVID, long COVID, as a chronic condition. But um, yeah, I'd say it's even trickier (laughs) than fibromyalgia to get a diagnosis or even get a fucking clue what is going on with your body. So many of the symptoms cross over and are experienced by people who are not disabled, even to quite an acute degree. So, yeah. And when there's no, once again, physical signs, so many, it's tricky for the doctors. So, Ethlis Dallas syndrome. This is a condition which affects the collagen in the human body. My human body is very stretchy. Oh, yes. It's great for when I want to do circus arts and dance. And a lot of people with this condition do find themselves appropriated into an industry that this will give them an advantage in, and damn right, damn right you should. That's your body. Do what makes you happy and fulfills you. So EDS, condition of the collagen, creates an incredibly stretchy human body. Now, flexibility is the obvious outside symptom, but that flexibility doesn't stop with your muscles and your ligaments. That flexibility continues to your internal organs, your blood vessels, your eyes, my eyes, your skin, all of these things. Yeah. So I bruise like a peach. That's a very EDS symptom. Some of you might not have known that one, but if if you suspect yourself of being hypermobile and you bruise like a peach, there's a good chance, my friend, that we are in the same diagnostic boat. <laughs> Another thing I mentioned, the eyeballs. Astigmatism, which is where your eyeball isn't perfectly sphere, usually comes with other vision correction problems. That is another EDS symptom because Your eyeball is basically so stretchy that the muscles around it have pulled it out of shape. 
so you now have an egg instead of an eye. I have egg eyes. Eggs. Goodness. Let's not go there. <laughs> and um, what's the other thing I mentioned? Oh, yeah. Internal organs. Digestion. Your intestines function by contracting and releasing to squish food through your system. Nope, not if your intestines are really stretchy, they don't. They just squeeze around. Whee! And, um, yeah. Try, <laughs> try pushing a meatball through a cut-up children's party balloon. And you'll sort of get the idea of what the intestines of people with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome <laughs> look like when they attempt to push food through. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing because this, this one area, my digestion, has been a big marker for me in my um, chronic illness journey. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, so gastrointestinal disorders, also linked to neurospiciness. Hmm. There's a link that won't be explored in my lifetime. <laughs> oh. But it will be right here on Conversation, motherfuckers. Now, my digestion. This is something that is holding up my journey of diagnosis. My suspected diagnoses of fibromyalgia and Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome are reliant on this one final MRI scan, or at least I think it's the final one, I don't know. I, I just lied then. It might not be the last one at all. Uh, it, it's relying on this next MRI scan to figure out what the fuck is going on with my digestive system. Because I've had, friends, I've had a colonoscopy. Do you know what that is? I'm going to tell you. It's where they stick a camera up your bum. Yay! <laughs> they can only have a good look at the large intestines this way, but there it is. There's your insides right there. So that's one medical procedure. Uh, I've also been requested twice to, now, bear with me, uh, to poo in a pot and drive it to the hospital before midday. Yes, my friends, that did just come out of my mouth. Feel free to never listen to that section of the podcast again. But <laughs> that is the reality. That is the reality. Although, I tell you, getting my intestines to cooperate before midday... Mm -mm. <laughs> I just, I'm going to take a sip of kombucha now. In the spirit of making my digestive system cooperate before midday. Ha ha. So, yeah, that sort of covers my whole journey up until now, up until this very day that I come to you, minus my last week, which is what inspired this very episode this week. I've been experiencing the craziest flare-up for the last week, and this is one of the most debilitating parts of the condition. The conditions never go away, but when people experience something called a flare-up, basically when you first develop or first trigger or unlock the DNA or whatever it is that creates fibromyalgia symptoms in your body, generally it's from or at least some people have noticed, some medical professionals have noted, that it comes soon after a large traumatic event in the person's life. For example, a big accident, or the death of a loved one, or a sudden change in life circumstance. You know, things could be traumatic for people that aren't traumatic by others, so please save your judgment for nowhere. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, the initial triggering and the initial flare-up of fibromyalgia is generally crippling. You're generally bedridden, in pain. Pain degree of... Uh, so there's a scale that they test your pain on. I can't remember the name of it. But 
it relies on tender spots in your body. And if you score five out of five, then you're definitely fibromyalgia. And these are tender spots like your groin, your neck, your ankles, fingers, things like that, I think. I might have just made the last one up. But basically all of those areas will be in pain with no obvious cause. And sometimes regular over-the-counter painkillers won't touch it. And sometimes even opiate painkillers won't touch it. That is because the nature of the condition is it's not pain being caused by anything in particular. It's not even inflammation. They always try and um, rule out an inflammatory disease such as an autoimmune disease or a rheumatoid arthritis when they're diagnosing fibromyalgia. Because inflammation could explain a lot of our symptoms, but if that isn't present and the pain is still present, very fibromyalgia. So, yeah, that flare-up, the initial flare-up, bedridden, hospitals, etc. Um, although you might not have been hospitalized from it, you might have just had a period of your life over six months or so where you were extremely unwell and you couldn't figure out why and you couldn't validate anything, any other reason. And perhaps you're still suffering to this day from that period. Perhaps you weren't imagining it. Mm. So that initial flare-up and then later on in your life, throughout your life, for the rest of your life, if I overexert myself, then I will experience a follow-up flare-up. And these generally aren't as bad as the initial trigger event, but um, it is, it's, it's a wild ride. It's nothing, this last flare-up that I've had over this last week has been nothing like others I've experienced. It has been uh, uh, like a, a complete pick and mix. The first, the first sort of few days that I was noticing it, it was simply a headache, a headache and the brain fog. Oh, the brain fog. Even sort of feeling like you're catching the flu, that ache all over your body, but without that very clear-cut flu feeling, you know, that sort of... I don't know what it is, underwater feeling you get when you have the flu. None of that. Just the all over aches and pains and the brain fog. And yeah, not being able to get my words out and things like that. That then escalated to just extreme pain, extreme headache pain. Uh, and my skin on my right leg, no, on my left leg was so painful so painful there was no physical sign of injury there was no inflammation just the skin on, on a large section of my left thigh felt as if it had been poured under boiling water held under boiling water it was stinging the air every time the wind tickled my skin it would sting if i happened to brush my skin with my hand or my clothes that was painful and if something was to press on that part of my body, I would cry out in pain. I would literally yelp, which is really, I have quite a high pain tolerance. <laughs> I've got some stories later on to prove that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was one of the most bizarre days. Um, and the extreme fatigue came then as well. I slept all day, I've slept 12 hours through the day, and then 12 hours through the night, and then 12 hours through the day again, and then 12 hours through the night again. That, that's crazy. Like, I can sleep for a long time sometimes, but that just seems like my body wanted to be in hibernation. And that's how it felt. I had no appetite, really. It was, it's, it's all a bit of a haze now, looking back, even just over the last week. My memories of it aren't great. It almost feels like I've been on a bender. 
I really haven't this time. <laughs> a younger me, definitely. This 30-year-old version of me, no, nope, 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 no. <laughs> so yeah, and then what else? What are the symptoms? Um, oh yeah, <laughs> I was having the craziest dreams in my sleep, which I don't know whether are linked to fibro or ADS or trauma that I've experienced, but since fibro and trauma have not more than anecdotal link, there is definitely potential there. But I was having the craziest dreams, and during one said dream, I managed to trap a nerve in my neck. Yay. Uh, and right now, even right now, if I tilt my head too far to the left, ouch, ow, fuck, man. Honestly, not being able to move your neck interferes with every little part of your life. Did you know you have to move your neck while you're driving so much? I mean, I did know that, I did know that, but God Lord, I've been reminded. Uh, ah, canal. So, uh, yeah, then the neck pain. Oh, and then the digestive troubles. That was a few days after the neck pain began to subside and I was able to get up and walk around again. And yeah, and now uh, here I am coming to you today, Wednesday, 10 days after these flare-up symptoms begun. And here I am with a dodgy tum. But, you know, I, uh, I do feel better. And when I say better, I don't mean I feel fine. I don't feel like I've recovered. I know I haven't recovered. In fact, I know I will never recover. These symptoms could potentially just stay with me for the rest of my life. This neck pain, if it didn't go away, medical professionals wouldn't be surprised. I would simply be sent to a chronic pain clinic and put on opiate painkillers. Yeah, it's kind of scary, huh? How, how easily you can fall. No, fall is a horrible word. I don't, well, it's not a horrible word. I don't want to use the word fall because it implies something else. It's so easy to slip between the gaps of the current NHS, or at least the, the healthcare systems of the world. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. and just become a regular consumer of opiate painkillers, you know, like the opiate crisis in America right now. Yep, that's a real thing. That's a real thing. And um, yeah, unfortunately, because the Tories are still in power in the UK, the NHS is being deliberately defunded at an incredibly rapid rate, so 
obviously, obviously, we hope it doesn't keep going this way. But if it does, many chronic ill people will be handed effectively a death sentence. Because there's two things you need in this life. One of them is health, and the other one of them is money. And if you don't have health, you can't make money. And if you don't have money, you can't be in good health. America. You couldn't see me then, but I did a sarcastic, dramatic salute to the land of the free and healthy. I, I can't, I can't dig, I can't dig. The UK is a fucking cesspit at this moment in time. <laughs> There's no, no comparisons needed. Although whilst we do have the NHS here in the UK, if you have felt you relate to me on any level with any of these symptoms, please begin. Please at least open a case up with your doctor, if you can. Because whilst the NHS is on its absolute knees, if we reduce the demand for it, it'll make it so much easier for them to scrap. They'll just say, oh, look, nobody uses it anymore anyway. We do. We just can't get a fucking appointment. <laughs> but, uh... Let's not get political, for this episode at least. Although, arguably, is our health political? Hmm. Another episode's doing right there, I think. But back to my list. So, just before I move on to my experience in the medical world via two anecdotes, I... I just wanted to tell you about two other symptoms. One which you've definitely heard of that I have. IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> this is a very wide umbrella term for any sort of gastrointestinal condition which is considered a disability. Yes, that's right. You are entitled to use a disabled accessible bathroom. You may entitled to use a disabled accessible parking space and you may also be entitled to some personal independence payments that is benefits allowance benefit welfare payment um, which the UK government will try their best to not give you more on that later <laughs> so yeah IBS the one you've heard of and then the second one is POTS which stands for Posterior Osteostatic Tachycardia Syndrome. Posterior Orthostatic Tachycardia Syndrome. What that means is, so I told you my blood vessels are really stretchy because of uh, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, hypermobile EDS, HEDS. Well, POTS is related to your heart and your orthopedic static stasis <laughs> as the name gives away what that means is when I'm lying down my blood pressure in my circulatory system is regulated um, at a laying down level because obviously your heart doesn't need to be as hard when you're laying down very easy to get blood around um, but then when you change that position for example you go from standing um, laying down to standing or sitting in a reclined position to standing that is changing your posterior, um, your, orth your orthostatic posterior, so your skeleton. And when I change my orthopedic posterior <laughs> from laying down to standing, because my cardiovascular system is incredibly stretchy, it is difficult for my body to maintain my blood pressure throughout that movement. Yep, that's right. So all my blood vessels bulge and squeeze and contract and relax in an attempt to regulate my blood pressure but they're just basically made out of absolute rubber bands here so it's like trying to squish <laughs> trying to squish it but um that gives me a, a, an interesting interesting variety of symptoms the main one being i'm going to pronounce this wrong but i believe it's called a synscope where your vision closes off you get a tunnel vision also thought of as head rush i thought Everybody. I thought every single human in the world experienced this. 
I get it every single time, regardless how long I've been sat down, how long I've been laid down. Sometimes if I jump, I get it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's very, it's normal to get it occasionally, especially if you've been in a certain position, laying down or standing for a long time. But guys, friends, oh my goodness, this is the one thing that I've been overlooking my whole life. This is not typical. <laughs> Some of the things that I've experienced, and I'm sure if you're walking around as an undiagnosed chronic illness warrior like myself, you've been just passing off as what everyone has throughout your whole life, and no. I'll tell you some things that aren't normal. No, you're not supposed to be in pain every day. No, you're not supposed to get a bruise from where your friend just pokes you with their finger. <laughs> no, you are not supposed to have your bowel habits change so frequently that even you don't know what they are. No, that is not typical. No, having skin conditions on your body suddenly appear and disappear for no reason. There may be other causes. But that, that again, linked to EDS, linked to fibromyalgia, linked to IBS, linked to neurodivergency. People battling chronic illnesses will have strange symptoms that don't appear linked. I have quite serious cystic acne sometimes on my face. Some of my friends have eczema so bad that their skin cracks and they have to live in wraps. They have to wrap their skin to protect it as the body's largest organ because the body falls out of balance. Somehow, some reason, the body doesn't protect itself in the way that it needs to, in the way that it sometimes intends to but can't due to something that we don't understand yet. And because we don't understand it, it's very easy to dismiss, it's very easy to just ignore, frankly. When something's uncomfortable, we tend to ignore it. When our bodies are in pain, we tend to leave our bodies. When our minds are in pain, we tend to numb ourselves with substances and alcohol or other behaviors. Human beings live in a very overstimulated, over painful world. Oh. And yeah, and that's a lot. That is a lot. So if you are a chronic illness warrior, or you suspect yourself of being one, or you simply know and admire those who live in their bodies in a world that is not designed for that body. I see you, I hear you, I see you. Because feeling unseen and unheard is such a huge, huge side of it. Some anecdotes of me. <laughs> the first one, isn't particularly funny. Well, neither of them are particularly funny, but my life is quite amusing. So, let's see. <laughs> the first one is the tale of my birth. So my birth was fairly normal, actually. It was a week after my birth that the doctors were on my parents' doorstep, hammering on the door that they had to take me to hospital. Now, it wasn't quite as urgent as what the doctors had immediately suspected, but in the days before mobile phones, if a doctor turned up on your doorstep, you went to the hospital there and then. You go now. So they rushed there. We called baby, my lovely parents, rushed me into hospital where I am not well. I'm put in the intensive care unit. My parents can't hold me. I'm all, I, th I think I had a ventilator. Um, I was intubated, yeah. My lungs filled up with fluid. It sounds very similar, actually, to COVID now, but this was in 1992. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Maybe it was a coronavirus that we never really knew or never really noted. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I was in intensive care for a few weeks, and, and then for a few years after that, I was on a special dietary plan and special medical care. But lo and behold, here I am. They never did quite figure out what was wrong with me, though. 
which has huge implications for chronic illness later in life. If you experienced a traumatic birth or a serious illness in younger life, and by younger life I mean in childhood, um, then you are so very likely, my friend, to develop a chronic condition later in life. So um, uh, one of my personal sneaking suspicions is because of all the antibiotics I was on when I was that baby in the intensive care unit, it wiped out all the microbiome in my guts, which is one of the biggest indicators of IBS or like, you know, links to IBS. If your microbiome is messed up, then you're likely to have it. And here I am, 30 years later, <laughs> and my microbiome never really got its charms. It was wiped out within the first few days of its existence in the outside world by antibiotics, which in turn did save my life. So there's give and take. <laughs> there's give and take. But still, yeah, it's a big and heavy thing to carry. It's something that I, I've only recently learned, or at least put together for myself in my own medical journey, that this event that I don't remember, that traumatized my mother and traumatized my body, is responsible now for some of the pain that I'm in in my life, and some of the being disabled in a world that is not designed for <laughs> me. Another story. This one's slightly more funny. Um, but this one, <laughs> this one to me shows the attitude that a lot of people who identify as disabled or identify as chronically ill will recognize <laughs> So when I was 14 years old, I had appendicitis. And it was on and off for about six months. And due to my age, obviously the doctors just sent me home saying, oh, what do you mean? You look like a cis woman. You have uh, one of those inside reproductive systems. It's gonna be that. It's got, let's not even bother to investigate. Let's not even, no. No, no need, no need to investigate. It's definitely, definitely that thing in there that we don't like to study in medical science. You know, the, the baby oven bit. It's definitely that. Uh, lo and behold, it wasn't that, it was my appendix. <laughs> so six months after it had been going nasty inside me, they took it out. But um, this story says to me, that living with, or at least for a short time living with something that is killing you, is literally killing you. If that appendix had not been taken out of my body, it would have eventually gone septic and killed me. That shows me that you can walk around in some pretty bad fucking ways and still function. Because if a doctor's told you you can, that that belief is powerful. The, there's a, a study phenomenon in um, psychology where if a person wears a white lab coat, the assumed and perceived authority and knowledge of that person goes up dramatically. This has been proven in studies. So when a doctor tells you that you're okay and you're fine, you believe that, you go home and carry on your day, fine. While your appendix is rotting inside your abdomen, going septic. Mm. Now, I'm not telling you these stories to discourage any of the doctors. Uh, all doctors are overworked and underpaid for the life-saving work they do. Same with nurses, same with all medical staff, anyone that works for the NHS, anyone that is clinging on, holding on to a very, very poorly managed and defunded system right now. Absolute fucking hero. Thank you so much. I could not be more grateful for the work of the NHS. Saving my life, saving my friends' lives, caring for my loved ones in their last days, in their hardest days. 
God fucking bless. I don't believe in God. Dog bless. Dog bless. Bunch of fucking angels. But um, what I hear, what here, what I am trying to convey here is that you need to trust yourself on what you've observed in your body. For a long time, and I've explained this in other episodes, I had to leave my body due to a severe PTSD. And I had no identity, I had very little autonomy, very little trust and self-esteem in myself, in my body. So if I was in pain or discomfort or experiencing something else, then I would just sort of not even pay attention to it. I would disassociate. And um, yeah, it really only was when I decided that I have a chronic illness and I started to seek treatment or answers. That was the only time the answers started coming. They were not offered up to me on a plate in any way. Not one day somebody went, oh, that's interesting. I think you might have this condition. Well, perhaps one of my friends, one of my friends. <laughs> She's a, she has been on this podcast, I think, bless her. Mimi, chronic illness, chronically the illest. She was the one that told me I had hypermobility and I was like, what, no. And then I spread my fingers out and they bend over backwards and start curling round. And <laughs> Yes, I am very hypermobile. Uh, I've lost my train of thought there, but yeah, my sentiment is if you have any inkling that something may be going on inside of you and you want answers, get answers. You have to ask for them. I had to go to the doctor and say, hi, I think I have fibromyalgia. I been talking to my therapist who is an incredible human also a, a chronic illness warrior she has said that my life circumstances line up with this potential and I'd like it investigated and thankfully I had a very nice doctor on the end of the phone a GP um, sometimes you'll need to see several people because in a world of 8 billion or 9 billion people you know we're not always going to gel and that can happen with medical professionals too, so it is okay. And if they take it personally, then they're not doing their job very well. So don't worry about asking for a second opinion. Always, always request more. Always ask for more. Your health is paramount. If you genuinely believe something, then I 100% implore you to go down that path for as long as you can because it's very tiring as well, seeking diagnosis. <sighs> oh, I'll tell you something else that's tiring too. In the UK, in order to apply for a personal independence payment, you have to phone up the Department for Work and Pensions. <coughs> there is no way to do this process online. I think I mentioned this in the last episode too. No way to do this online. No way. And you have to phone between the office hours, of course. So that's how nice and easy the British government makes it for people living in a disabled body to access the rest of the world. Oh, you can imagine how, how hard it is for people to get accessibility aids, such as modified cars or parking bays with more space around them, or Lord, wheelchairs, any other mobility aids. It's just... It's just crazy to me. I, I've been wearing glasses my whole life, right? Those are considered an, ability, a, a, an accessibility aid. Glasses, sight correction. Without my vision correction, I am legally disqualified from driving. That's a disability. But somehow that has become so very normalized, commercialized, capitalized, in fact. Whereas other forms of mobility aid, not so much. They're not as common, they're not as profitable, therefore they're not as pursued. It's much harder. But um, it's not all doom and gloom. <laughs> Most of my knowledge 
that I've just imparted upon you in these last 50 minutes is from friends, from my community. I have spent hours talking to people, other people with fibromyalgia, with ethostalis, with IBS, with POTS, with chronic fatigue, with ME, all these chronic illnesses which can appear to be symptomless disabilities, non-visible disabilities, you know, like they remind you about on the door or on the accessible parking bay. Please don't expect disabled people to fall out and drag themselves along the floor for them to fit into your version of disabled, all right? If you see someone using a disabled bay and, and you don't think they deserve it, no, you didn't. I know that gives leeway for people to abuse the system, but people are, are gonna be assholes regardless of how easy you make lives for disabled people. So make lives easy, at least for the disabled people. And then we can maybe deal with the assholes. But um, yeah, making it so fucking hard to just get accessibility aids in this world because some people might abuse it. Come on, that's the most ableist bullshit I've ever heard. Who cares if some people abuse it? The Tories abuse the expense system. Everyone ex abuses all sorts of systems. Well, some people don't. But a lot of people do. And it's just when it's a matter of life and death, I think the Tories might be able to exist without their 80,000 expense limit every year. But um, when it's an accessibility badge, when somebody can't go and get their weekly food shop because they have to park too far away and they can't physically carry all their shopping back to their car, that's a matter of life and death. If somebody can't get into work because there's no parking and then they have to drive home and get the bus and then injure themselves on the bus, that's a matter of life and death. Things that might seem really, really small and trivial to you in your non-disabled life make a huge difference to people who exist with the aid of accessibility aids and extra effort, frankly, on their behalf to navigate a world that is designed only for able-bodied human beings. I didn't quite realize how huge the impact was. And therefore, I was very ableist before my diagnosis journey began. I considered myself very courteous and observant, but frankly, until the experience is turned on you personally, it's very difficult to imagine the obstacles that are put in your way when life is not designed for you. Having to choose between brushing your teeth and brushing your hair some days because your body is in pain or having to choose between eating your dinner and cleaning your house. Two things that I wish I could do <laughs> some days together because one directly affects my mental health and the other directly affects all my health and but sometimes that's literally not available it seems it's hard to imagine that that's not available to you like why is that not available it's not available because the damage and the pain it would inflict upon your body would make it impossible hard to imagine I know but please just take a little moment to imagine. <sighs> well, my friends, that was a much longer episode than I even anticipated. I haven't even got to the end of my page yet, but I'm gonna do my best to wrap it up in a most reasonable time for you all. So, 
the final thing I wanted to touch on is this sort of hero fetishizing of disabled people. Disabled people are not your hero. We don't want to be inspiring to you. We simply want to be treated as equal human beings in a world that is designed to make life very difficult for us. And when people do make different amendments and considerations for us, you better believe these people will make sure that we know how much they have done for us. Disabled people do not get to exist in the world without having to say thank you for things that they shouldn't have to say thank you for. Accessibility shouldn't be an option. It shouldn't be something you have to be thankful for. It should just be there as standard. Making it into a thing? Ugh. No, absolutely not. Please, if there's one thing you take from this episode is never call a person who is disabled or living with a chronic illness your hero for that reason. For other reasons, fine. But for that reason, oh, just stop. Just stop. How can you truly be an ally? Well, just observe. Now, this, this isn't me speaking for everyone else. This is me speaking from where I am in my journey at this point in time right now. And what I would appreciate the most from the people in my life is for people to just observe. Observe when I say I'm tired or observe when I say I'm in pain or observe when I say I can and can't do things because that comes from a place now which is different from before. Before I could live my life very whimsical, you know, I could wake up in the morning and honestly do as many things as I could do before I crashed out. <laughs> but now I have to plan. And that is a very new thing for me. And it's still something I'm getting to grips with. And I think other people in your life might be able to relate to that statement. So yeah, one of the major things with being in a disabled body is the gaslighting of yourself. I will often write pages in my journal questioning whether I have simply invented all of these pains and aches and symptoms and nausea's and things in my head because I'm an attention seeker? Because I'm lazy? These are the words my brain uses. Well, what the hell, man? That doesn't make any sense. But I guarantee you that imposter syndrome is there in anyone who is even considering the potential that possibly you are in our lesser abled gang gang. Able bodies, not lesser abled. We're very able at doing certain things. The thing that disables people who don't function in the world as well is the world. I wouldn't be disabled if I was just allowed to roam around the world in the way that I choose. I wouldn't have to use the things that make me feel disabled. You know, like time. There's some food for thought. What are the things, if you are a chronic illness warrior or a disabled babe, then uh, let me know the things that make you feel these labels the most in the world. Like, where, where do you go and life reminds you with a big fat smack in the face, oh, by the way, you can't do that because you're not the same as everyone else. <sighs> yeah. The world is getting better, but it's very slow. And people who can't advocate for themselves as strongly as others are often left in the wayside. So, please, I will say 
the same thing I always say, because it's honestly so important, which is listen, listen to those who are affected. Whatever your opinion is about those who are affected is irrelevant in the face of an opinion from someone who is actually affected. So remember, not all opinions are equal. Okay, it's just clocked over to a whole minute. No, a whole hour, friends. So I'm going to sign off pretty short and sharp. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for joining me on a Wednesday instead of a Monday. As of next week, we will be back on every Monday with Crovisation. I've got two more monologue episodes before I begin bringing some guests. Human beings of all genders onto this podcast. And... I just want it to be like an alt talk show. Call me. I don't know. I'm trying to think of any famous American talk show hosts. I can't think of any. <laughs> Call me. Whatever they are of the show where they have the settee and lots of people come and sit on the settee and then they talk about what they're doing. Yeah? That's me. Thanks so much, beautiful humans. <laughs> Remember, be kind to yourselves. And, um, Yeah. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.